My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics. Unscripted. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Jason. I'm here with my co-host, Bobby, and we're on Paramedics Unscripted, episode number three. Bobby, how are you doing today, brother? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Got my AC fixed, so life is moving forward. You must have been sweating your ass off down there. Man. Yeah, it was. Oh, we had it out for like 10 days. It sucked. Boy. I know. <laughs> yeah. But it's all good it's now. All... That Yeah, with all this stuff, with all this uh, COVID nonsense, it has uh, definitely... Um, Hindered getting parts quicker for everybody for lots of things, as people know. I had a problem with the dishwasher, same kind of idea. So it takes longer well, to get everything. But enough of that, that stuff. Um, what's new going on with you? Nothing much, man. Uh, up north here, we're just kind of dealing, like you said, with this COVID uh, nonsense. Um, that's my opinion. Sticking to it. Uh, it's just, yeah, we're just dealing with this, this BS. Yeah, that's kind of where, where we're at, too. Um, and like we said in the beginning, these are just our opinions of everything. Um, so you can, you know, make form your own opinions by doing your own research. But everything we say on the show is strictly just our opinions. We're not doctors or anything like that. So get all that crap out of the way to start off. Um, also, yeah. uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. Let me add to that, too, bro. Sorry to mean to interrupt you. Yeah, man. Yeah, what we say on here is our opinion. We will talk fact as well, like I've said before. but. You know, what we try to do is we try to leave our political opinions out of it for the most part. I mean, it's kind of hard for me sometimes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, we try to stay middle of the road because I mean, we're both open-minded people. And we're just like, you know, your beliefs are your beliefs. And we try to respect that. And that's just how we roll. Yeah, exactly. And it's always good, like we said, kind of in our first episode, too, or our last episode, I should say. Um, talking about it's good to hear everybody's opinion because that's how you kind of learn and grow from everything. So, and again, and again, if you anything that we say on here, I don't care what it is. If you don't believe us, don't believe what we say. You know, that's that's one of the points of having this podcast. Don't believe what we say. One of our main focuses is to get you to ask questions. You know, ask questions until you're blue in the fucking face. You know, ask questions and just do your own research. That is important. That's how you grow. That's how you learn. That's how, that's how we, like I said before, that's how we learn. So that is very important. I can't stress that enough. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason, go for it. No, you're good, man. I totally agree with everything you said there. Uh, we want to take care of some housekeeping to start off the show. Uh, first off, want to give a shout out to Shannon. Um, she was, Shannon. (laughs) thank you very much, Shannon. She was the first one to purchase, uh, one of our stickers and give us some support, bought us a coffee. Uh, we really appreciate that. Yeah, very first one, um, and actually exciting for her. We just got our stickers in yesterday, uh, so they just got mailed out yesterday. I did reach out to her and let her know as well, and she's excited to hear the next podcast. But again, shout out and big thank you to Shannon for being our first supporter. We really, really appreciate that. Um, also, real quick, we just want to like touch on some stuff. We do have um, through our Buy Me a Coffee link where you can you know get stickers and just throw out random support, stuff like that. Um, we also do have a premium membership program if someone's interested in that. 
Um, you can join up on that and just, you know, it basically is a monthly membership, but you get lots of extra perks with that. So check that out if that's something you may be interested. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Paramex Unscripted Podcast on Facebook. Hit us, a, give us a like, help us grow the show. We really appreciate that. And of course, we're on Instagram as well. Same idea, go on there and just follow us. We really appreciate that. That's if they don't censor us. I'm just Yeah, I'm yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's get into it, man. So I know you wanted to start, uh, start off with a topic that's uh, kind of big in the news right now. So why don't you go ahead and start it off and we'll go from there, man. Well, yeah, it's big in the news, but I also, it's big because of what I do for a living, you know, being a paramedic out in the field still, you know, I see. You don't have to rub it in. No, I'm dealing with these, <laughs> these patients every day. First of all, I'd like to stress that when we talk about the vax, we're going to refer to it as the jab or the stab. And when we refer to the virus, we're going to refer to it as the Rona because, you know, due to certain keywords, you know, certain uh, algorithms will pick up, you know, there's a possibility you can get censored. That's just the way it is these days. Yep. So that's that's the terminology we're going to use when we're talking about these subjects. And uh, yeah, uh, what I'm going to try to do when we talk about the uh, the jab is I can't stress enough. People just need to take their personal politics, leave it aside. You know, take their personal beliefs and ideology, leave it to the side just for a second. And look at things logically. I know there's a lot of people out there that are scared right now. And uh, a lot of people don't know what to believe, especially when they keep coming out with, you know, now there's a new variant. We'll call it the D variant because that's what it is. Right. Um, one of the things I think is important for people to do is that I don't see enough of anymore is if you don't understand something, you don't necessarily believe what you're hearing on TV or it doesn't make sense to you or you don't something just doesn't sound right when you're listening to talking heads on the mainstream media ask questions ask more questions do your own research because that is important because you know especially in this this time because we're you know it's a, it's, a, it's a weird situation it's been a weird year and a half what do you think jason yeah i think that's uh definitely true and uh i had that experience myself when my parents were visiting um late last year um and my mom, we were talking about everything and, you know, she has her opinions about it. I have my opinions about it, but she was saying that a lot of her friends, she wasn't really that worried about the virus per se, but she had a lot of friends that were extremely like terrified about everything. And there, and obviously she's an older demographic, you know, and she's my mom and everything. I'm 45 years old. So, um, but I was telling her, I was like, you have a lot of friends that are really scared. And she said, yeah. And I said, well then just tell them to just turn off the TV, man. Don't watch that stuff. Don't watch the news and don't, because they're, their job is obviously nowadays news has changed a little bit. In my opinion is more about getting clicks and getting likes and stuff like that on different posts and articles and all that kind of stuff. So just turn that stuff off. And like Bobby said, then go do your own research, go to whatever sites you trust and look at their data and then make your decision on that stuff. Don't make your decision off what someone is telling you to do or anything like that. Make your decision off what is right for you and your situation. Oh yeah. And one of the things, I mean, especially since the vaccine came out, um, you know, whether you, you know, want to call it a vaccine or not, that's, you know, up to opinion these days because it still hasn't, it still hasn't been officially completely endorsed by the FDA. So a lot of people think that it's still a grand experiment. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. My whole thing is, especially since I'm treating these positive patients all the time, 
You know, I see this all the time at work. I have been treating these patients for the past year and a half. You know, I've seen, you know, patients from the beginning. I've seen patients now that have been vaccinated for months and that are positive again. You know, there, there are just certain things we don't know. Um, is the virus real? Absolutely. Is a lot of the hype surrounding the virus real? A lot of it? No. That's my opinion. But going by what I see, you know, see around me, what I see at work, what I see behind the scenes, you know, at the hospitals and whatnot, a lot of what's being peddled by the talking heads in the mainstream media is not necessarily the truth. A lot of it is hype. There's a lot of fear mongering going on. And I think that that's something that needs to be addressed because there's a lot of people out there that are scared. Yeah. You I know that being, that being said, the virus is real, but there's a lot of hype surrounding it. And this is where I said, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason. This is, this is where I said people need to take their political views out of it for a second, take their, you know, personal opinions out of it for a second and their, you know, whatever their religious ideology is to move that aside for a second and just look at, look at it from a logical standpoint. Yeah. And, and you might have a different perspective because, you know, the flu, we'll just use that as an example, the flu, which is very dangerous, still kills more people per year than this virus. Yeah, and, that is a fact. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out too during this time too for all the, the, the current care providers that are out there, including yourself, Bobby. Um, I obviously am not in the business anymore. I don't know if I could deal with that, all this stuff going on right now. Um, I went through in my career all the different viruses, stuff that have happened in the past, the AIDS, the swine flu, the anthrax. I went through all that stuff. Um, and I don't remember anybody ever getting as excited as they are about this. Uh, during that time period, as far as like protection levels. And, you know, I've heard, I have a lot of medic friends still in the business, including yourself, and they're all gowning up and doing all this like biohazard suit, basically every time they come across these patients. And, and that's, oh, yeah, that's very a, uh, extreme to me compared to what we did in the past for some of these other viruses that were hyped at that time to be the big deal. You know what I mean? So just well, a shout out to everybody putting up with that. Cause I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's like I said, and it, it varies from place to place, wherever you live. Um, yeah, that's true. For instance, of how the protocols are going to be handled. I mean, I'm not like like what I do or where I work. You know, may be completely different from you know the protocols that someone has in the, you know a different state, city, whatever. Um, my thing is the thing that's got to stop, especially when it comes to the jab. Okay, if you want to get the jab, that's great. If you don't want to get it. That's great, too. But the shaming that's going along with it, especially for shaming against people that don't want to get it, that's got to stop. Yep, I yep. mean, and I'm, I'm going to use some names here, you know, because we're unscripted and, you know, I'm just going to be real. When you've got, like, say, the mayor of New York City, you know, de Blasio, saying that people that have not been vaccinated or people, excuse me, people who have chosen not to be vaccinated, because that's what it comes down to. It comes down to a personal choice. Last, last time I looked, this is still America. You know, it's a personal choice. If you want to get it great, if you don't great, but that's the point. It's the choice. But when you have these, these, you know, high, you know, officials in cities, whether it's mayors, whether it's governors, whatever, you know, or whether it's, you know, people on educational school boards saying that, you know, if people don't want to get the vaccine, you know, they, they, they're basically calling them criminals now. I mean, that's just, 
horseshit. Well, in my opinion, too, I mean, the the reason people half the people don't want to get the vaccine or whatever the percentage is right now um, is because, unfortunately, it was used. And again, I don't want to get into politics, but unfortunately, right. it was used as like a political thing in the beginning. Um, and and that kind of has tainted everybody's opinion of it, in my opinion, uh, strictly just my opinion, Jason. Uh, so that that's that's what I think is part of the problem, too, is like and I agree with you. I think it's you have the right to choose whatever you put in your own body, obviously, just like you do anywhere else. You have the right every year. Uh, we kind of talked about this uh, pre-show a little bit, but you have the right every year to decide if you want a flu shot. And if you don't get a flu shot, no one asks you, no one cares. It's, it's your decision. You know what I mean? Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I, I knew you, I knew you wanted to go there. So rock on brother. Well, this is where, this is where, like I said before, if you put your own personal views and your political views aside, look at it from this angle. And again, this is, this is my opinion, but there's also fact in this as well. The flu season, perfect example. Okay. Um, which is the flu is still kills more people than this virus every year. Even, you know, it's even dangerous to kids, but the way, in my personal opinion, the way we've gone about this, as far as the mask mandates, as far as, you know, the shutdowns and with this new variant, you know, you know, you can kind of see in certain areas how they're putting the squeeze on again for, you know, mandatory mask, you know, wearing and, you know, closing down businesses possibly. And back to, you know, the mask mandates. Uh, I think an important point, like Jason, you brought up flu season, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, when flu season starts, I mean, we have the option to get a flu shot. You know, basically what we do is since Australia has their season before we do, you know, we basically go off what strains were rampant in Australia, most likely. And, you know, they concoct, you know, the new flu vaccine for that season, you know, and still, there's still a percentage, you know, what is it? 30 to 40% chance that it's, that it's going to be affected, maybe higher sometimes. Um, but still it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. They're but, just guessing they're, they're making an educated guess on what strain of the flu they believe will be coming to us based on right, what's hit other places. Right, especially Australia, since their season you know starts before ours does. Right, right, exactly, and that's how they have time to product to produce the you know the correct chemical, whatever, however they make it, um, vaccine that that would work for the flu vaccine for that year. And if they get it right, that's you know rock star, that's great. Um, if they get it wrong, then obviously you'll still have probably some protection possibly from other flu vaccines you might have had that maybe have like part of this virus or whatever that's coming around. But you'll get hit with the flu, and that's why people get sick. So sometimes they just get it wrong and it's just how it works. Well, and the thing is you have the option to get a flu vaccine every year. If you want to, you can get it or you don't have to get it. But the difference is, and this is what drives me absolutely crazy and just blows my mind, especially the past year and a half is how this, like I said before, how this situation has been handled, which has been completely ass backwards to the way we've handled other situations, such as the flu was a perfect example. You know, the way this virus should have been handled as far as, you know, protecting the vulnerable or people with health problems, you know, people in that age group is we should isolate the people that are vulnerable or, you know, to a certain extent, you know, the people with health problems or and vice versa. And then the healthy people should basically go about their lives doing what they do, just like with the flu season. Okay. Like we said before, the flu kills more people. Per year than this virus. That's still a fact. 
So that being the case, why aren't, how come for the past, you know, 20 years, we use that. How come we haven't been masking up, locking down, you know, to protect people from getting the flu? Well, and also you got to think about if more people die per year from the flu. Yeah. Then this virus. Well, the other thing you have to think about too is with the flu shot, I'm sorry, not with the flu shot with uh, people who get the flu, they don't go to the doctor when they're feeling great and go get checked for the flu. They go to the doctor and get checked for the flu when they're, when they have symptoms and they're, you know, they're ill. That's when they go. That's when they get tested for it. Right. Right. So that number that we have that whatever the exact number is of flus every year um, on a statistic basis that we get is actually probably much higher because a lot of people probably do get the flu, but their body just handles it. And you know, it doesn't really affect them that much and stuff like that. Whereas with this, this uh, stuff here with the Rona, you know, they're just randomly checking people for travel reasons or whatever else they're doing for work reasons, whatever, different things like that. And then they're seeing all the stuff. Doesn't mean everybody there has symptoms, but they are catching the stuff that way. So it's a, it's slightly different in that sense, in my opinion. Exactly. And that's where people, you know, it just, you know, just chaps my ass when I see people are just, freaking out i mean i shouldn't say it chaps my ass because i mean people are scared i get it you know i get it it's you know because people are legitimately afraid because you know they're being fed all this information or lack of information and they don't know how to process it a lot they don't know what to make of it so they just they're they're afraid they're just going to do well look these are the experts this is what they're telling me to do this is what i should do and they stick to it i get it but if something doesn't sound right question please but you know, getting back to the flu season, yeah, why haven't we been treating that, even though it's a different virus than, you know, than than the Rona, it's still more serious as far as deaths per year, and it's, you know, contagious as hell, why aren't we, why haven't we been using the same, you know, structure as far as, you know, PPE as far as isolating. How can we have been doing that the past 20 years? Yeah. And you brought up a, another thing. I, I don't understand. Yeah. And you, you, you talked about this earlier um, when, before we went live here and everything um, about the, your analogy with Thanksgiving versus the flu shot. Did you want to go into that too? Cause I had an opinion oh, on yeah. that too. I mean, you hear a lot of people these days. I mean, I've seen it with, with people that I know um, where they're like, uh, okay, we're going to have a party. But you're not allowed to come unless you've been vaccinated. Okay, that right there. Okay, I understand. But if you just look at the logical aspect of it, if everybody at the party has been vaccinated, why do they give a shit? If someone, a couple of people that came to the party weren't vaccinated because those people are just going to basically infect each other and get sick. They made that choice not to get the vaccine. That's their choice. Just yeah. like they made the others made the choice to get the vaccine. What? I don't understand why people are so afraid if they've been vaccinated. They're protected, so they say. Yeah, if so, you if you believe enough in it, then yeah, you have to believe that you're protected. You know, no. if you if you have to if you believe enough in you if you're scared enough and you believe enough in it to get the vaccine, even though it's in reality it's still in a global test phase. Because like I say, again, it still hasn't been completely endorsed or signed off by the FDA. And it was rushed out due to emergency situations. You know, if you got it, you should feel protected. So, but my point was, you know, a lot of people have been having parties and they've been like uh, insisting that if you want to come, you got to be vaccinated. 
it's like, okay, well, getting back to the flu season, you know, say, say you're going to have a bunch of people over for Thanksgiving. We'll say like five years ago, you're going to have a bunch of people over for Thanksgiving and uh, you're going to have, you know, say three people, they're going to have history of heart, heart disease, uh, diabetes, you know, uh, autoimmune problems. And then you say I have a couple of people that have been going through, you know, cancer, um, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, whatnot, where their immune system is literally in the toilet, where the, the common cold would affect them tremendously. Yeah. Are, are you going to insist that, you know, have we been insisting five years ago when this, when I said this party was like it was using five years ago, are we going to insist that, or were people insisting, okay, you need to have the flu shot to come to Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah. And asking for, for at, first of all, just asking that question in general, like that's never crossed my mind. I've never yeah. given a rat's ass, whether one of my friends, family members, coworkers, uh, anything like that. I've never asked them like, Hey, did you get the, the flu shot? Cause it's like, like, I, I don't give a fuck, like do what you want to do. Um, yeah. And that's, that's bullshit. But now you see with, with Rona right now, there are, you know, aside from just businesses and, you know, travel and stuff like that, that's doing it. You're seeing that in families. I had that a personal experience in, well, no, I shouldn't say personal through my, my family where they had, they were going to Thanksgiving at a family member's house. And, um, one of their family members on the other side asked if my parents had been vaccinated and my parents right then were like, Hey, obviously that's a big deal to you. You guys rock out. We'll see you guys next year. And they, cause they didn't even want to deal with it just from the whole point of like, this is nonsense, you know, not, not, not whether you get the shot is nonsense or not where you get the jab, excuse me, but, but just the fact that you're just asking this now about family and like, just, you know, it's, it's causing more divide than it's needed. And like you said, when it was the flu shots five years ago, prior to Rona and all this stuff, no one ever cared if you had that. No one ever cared. No one ever goes to you and, uh, you know, you're having your kids hang out with other kids and be like, you know, go to the other mom or the other dad and say, Hey, does your, uh, does your child have the MMR vaccine? Like you don't, you don't check that stuff. You just, you just live life. And that's all. But that's, my, my whole question is if we're having to do that for a virus that is not as deadly as the flu. Yeah. Thus far, then why, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this now? Why, how, how can we have, like you said, how can we haven't been doing it, you know, for the past, who knows how many years for the flu? Yeah. That's, and that's where people need to step back just look at it logically, you know, I mean, does that make sense to you? Right. And AIDS, for me AIDS yeah. anthrax, H1N1, swine flu. I've been through all those things. Not, not one of those other than wearing gloves. Like I would on any other call that I dress up differently or put on extra bacteria or MRSA or anything like that. I'm not doing all this other nonsense, you know? And that was my opinion. Obviously that was my decision, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't like all these, these stories I hear where everybody's doing all this gowning up and everything for every single call, just because someone has, might might not even have symptoms, but just might have been exposed to something. Oh yeah, and I can't speak for all jurisdictions, but for my jurisdiction, what we have to do, what our protocol is, is if we have, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's when this first started, we, uh, if we had a patient, like say the the tones went out and it was a for a medical emergency, and the patient just had the symptoms of, or even some of the symptoms of the Rona. We had to treat it as such, which means, and we had to, what we called that patient is it was a, especially what we would use over the radio or the phone calling the ERs is that would be a person under investigation. 
And as soon as we said that, they knew what it was. Okay. Um, and but treating that patient, I would have to gown up, N95 mask up, goggle up, glove up, you know, and only one person in the back with the patient, unless it's absolutely necessary, there needs to be somebody else. Right. And which is, you know, which is fine because uh, if that, that, and that's it in, in, at work in that type of setting, I don't have a problem doing it because, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know, especially in healthcare, you, you never know who you're going to come across or at first what all of their medical problems are until you start talking to them. So if that's what the call goes out as, that's the protocol. You have to basically gown up in a Tyvek suit or, you know, a surgical gown. And that's just the way it is. And I get that. I understand that. And I will continue to do that. But I just, my whole point is people just, I know people are scared and they just, they would just step back, just look at it from a logical standpoint, not a political standpoint. And just, you know, breathe for a second and just look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And my whole, my whole opinion on this whole thing that I've had from the very, very beginning is the right to choose and the right to make your own decision. I don't, I'm, I, um, I do real estate. I do travel agent stuff. I don't want anybody to have to make any decisions on any of their stuff they want to do and anybody to treat someone differently, whether you got the vaccine or you didn't, that's a personal choice. If you want to get it great, you believe in all the stuff. That's awesome. Go, go rock yourself out. If you don't want to get it for whatever reason, you don't get it. And then if that ends up hurting you in the long run or, you know, God forbid killing you because of it, that's a decision you made. Just like you get to make a decision every year, whether you get the flu shot, you know, whether you, you know, drive your car without a seatbelt. I mean, you make all these decisions every day that, you know, you have to live with if you make the decision. So this is the same thing. I don't think it should ever be mandated from any, any point of view or forced into or coerced into making a certain decision based on like, oh, you want to do this? Well, you have to do this first, that kind of stuff. That's nonsense. Let people choose their stuff. And then, um, but in reality, that's kind of what it's coming to. At least that's what it looks like right now. Oh, that's what, yeah, that's what you see now. I mean, like I've seen it in the travel agent, you know, you see it on that side right now where you're seeing like, oh, you can travel, but if you want to do this, and do this part of this travel that might be cooler, you have to do this where, you know, they're kind of weaning it that way a little bit, which I understand. Um, obviously that's a whole different subject where businesses get affected and their bottom line. I totally get that. Um, you know, like the cruise industry obviously took a massive hit during all this stuff. Um, and so I, well, let me ask you a question about that. Let yeah. Me ask you a question. Um, and, and that being said, private businesses have the right to still handle certain things, how they want to handle, you know, that's, I, I still believe in that. Um, if, for instance, like a small business, if, uh, I mean, at this point, would I prefer not to wear a mask or not wear a mask? No, I don't want to wear a mask right now unless I absolutely have to. But if I say go into a, we'll just plug Subway for a second. If I go into a Subway, meaning the sub shop, and Subway's saying, uh, we won't serve you unless you wear a mask, then I will wear a mask because that's their business and I get it. And it depends on the jurisdiction too, because certain jurisdictions right. like where I live, they're not allowed to do that. Um, so it just, honestly, that's a jurisdictional thing as well. Cause some places will not allow them to, you know, they can tell you they'd recommend a mask, but depending on if you have a mask mandate right now, you know, obviously a lot of places are going back and forth with that right now. I know our area is going into that kind of getting back towards that a little bit. 
Um, so yeah, you got to pay attention to your own local laws and stuff like that. But kind of like what you said too, if there's a business that even when they are enforcing stuff or, or it's a choice of the business, for instance, to, to enforce stuff, you have the right as a consumer to just not go there too. So, you know, you can always right. find another establishment because there's tons of businesses that popped up with the opposite stance was like, Hey, we're not going to ask you. And they're using that as their marketing ploy to bring you to them versus these other ones. So it kind of goes both way, both ways with that, in my opinion. And I agree. And there's, and I think, uh, especially since they're, you know, coming out of the lockdowns from last year, you know, there are a lot of small businesses that barely made it. Some of them, a lot of them didn't. And so if, when it comes to like small, like mom and pop businesses, if it makes them feel better that the heat's going to stay off their back. If people are wearing masks in their store or their business establishment, I don't have a problem doing that because I'm not going to screw with somebody else's livelihood. But you know, if you don't have a sign posted that says that I do, you're going to have to tell me, you know, as soon as you come to me, Hey, can you wear a mask? You know, if you're going to walk through here, are you going to eat here? Sure, man, no problem. But if you don't have anything posted, I'm just going to assume that it's cool. And I'm just going to go in there, you know, free. Yeah. And I live in a totally like my, where we live is um, very laid back. As far as all this has gone down, we don't really, we hadn't really had much of a shutdown in, in regards to everything. Like we kind we had a mask mandate for a little bit, but everything was otherwise fairly chill here. I know it, where you are, it's obviously a little different and, and you know, everything's different there. You have a bigger population. Oh right? man, the, the politics. Yeah. You're close to the political center ridiculous. and all that, yeah, all that nonsense. Oh my gosh. Um, and we didn't, we don't want to get political. That's not what we're trying to do on this no. show. We're just trying to like, these are our opinions of this stuff. Um, and we're trying to give you it from the perspective of a paramedic. Bobby's still in the field. Um, so he can give you a, like a real in-depth one. Like I'm sure you have thousands of different calls you can choose from to pull out, you know, different things from that. I'm going from my previous experience where I did not go through the coronavirus um, while I was in, in, the, in my job as a paramedic, but I did go through all these other ones that we listed before and probably other ones I can't even think of right now. Um, and it's just interesting that those other ones, like I said, were handled pretty nonchalant for the most part. And other than, you know, obviously you wear your gloves and stuff like that, like common sense stuff. But other than that, it wasn't really a big deal. Whereas this one is just made to be a big deal. And like I said, shout out to all the people that are still out there doing it because, you know, aside, we all know every EMS and fire police, all the stuff we all need to raise anyway. Uh, it's, it, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't know how you guys put up with that. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, I mean, damn, I think we still have it pretty good compared to like places like Australia. I mean, oh, God yeah. bless Australia. I, I love Australia. But apparently, I mean, it's it's a lot it's a lot thicker as far as the rules go, you know, dealing with this virus, you know, down under. Um, but people look at it this way, you know, in this country. OK, if they're because of the D variant, they're telling us to oh, we need to start to tighten up again. We need to start to insist on mask mandates again. You know, they're talking about, you know certain jobs are man they're going to make it mandatory for you to get the vaccine which i completely disagree with that doesn't mean that i am an anti-vaxxer that doesn't mean that i have or haven't gotten the vaccine that just means that i believe it's a personal choice this is still america but if things are getting that bad again this is the question i have and this is another situation where look at it from a logical standpoint if things are that bad and we're being we're going to be held to that those type of rules again then logic would say that one of the first things they would do at this juncture is close the southern border. You know, I know a lot of people have different political opinions on that. 
you know, that's fine. But if we're going to talk strictly about the safety, if what they're saying about this variant and the numbers are going up, is that strong? Then why are we still letting thousands of people from, you know, Mexico, Middle America flood through the southern border? I don't understand it. It's nothing against them. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I know a lot of these people are just trying to better their lives by coming into the country. I, I have no problem with that. But my point is, if we're being held by a standard, people that already live here being held by a standard to follow these rules again, and it's from what it's looking like, it's going to tighten up. Why haven't they done something as simple as stop people from coming in? Because these people are not getting checked. They're shipping them all over the country. So how is that not an issue? That That's the common sense that seems like it's just been shot out the window. I, I don't understand that. And that's – I'm not going to get any more political than that, but that's just something I thought needed to be said. <laughs> yeah, you, you went and off there a little bit. I love it. <laughs> I'll get off my uh, – I'll get off my big ass soapbox and uh, I'll, I'll I'll cool down for a minute. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Bobby for president. Bobby for president. All right. I just I just I'm all about common sense. I'm all about you know look at it from a common sense standpoint. You know, and just and you will get a different perspective. You know, and like I said, I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to be like, "Well, this is real and needs to take us serious." It's like I am taking it serious, but I'm just. I'm asking questions and I'm doing my own research, which I'm just saying everybody else needs to do the same, you know, if, if they want to and not just listen to the talking heads on the MSN. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not the political one of this group here. Uh, definitely. I, I don't follow that quite as much as you are do. You, are, wait, 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 are you calling me political dude? No, I'm just saying I don't follow that stuff. I, my whole thing is mainly <laughs> like that. You should have a choice to do this stuff. That's it. You shouldn't be forced to do it. You shouldn't be coerced to do it. You shouldn't be, inadvertently forced to do it by like, you know, like I said, like, Oh, do you want to go on a cruise? Oh, you have to get the, you know, the jab then like, I don't think that should be any part of it. I think it should all be choices, um, you know, and, and, and let, you know, the data kind of speak for itself as we get, you know, better and better and better. You know, that's all my thing is. I just think everybody should have yeah. a choice and that's all I want yeah, to say I mean, on that issue for me. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, exactly. I mean, like I said, I didn't mean to get too political. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I'm not, you know, libertarian. I'm not, you know, you know, Tea Party. I'm not any of that. I'm just, you know, me. <laughs> I, you know, I believe in right and wrong and common sense and logic. And that's the way I always try to look at things. I mean, do I have my own opinions? Absolutely. But yeah, that's all that's all I'll say on this issue. I'll uh all right. I'll, uh, I'll lock that up. Yeah, well, let's let's wrap that part up. Uh, that was pretty in depth for a lot of people, I'm sure. But you know, we're not scared. That we're not we're not scripted. We're not scared to talk about our opinions. They are just our opinions. Again, we're not doctors. We're not you know anything like that. So these are just strictly our opinions. So go with it for that. But let's take it to the next topic, which is we want to go into uh, kind of a the, more of a, the paramedic topic part here, and uh, let's get into. But something that I wanted to talk about, and I think you wanted to talk about as well, was just the calling 911 for not emergency reasons. Um, I can say when, right. I was, when I was a medic back in the field, um, this was a huge, huge problem. Um, and I know we've talked about this in the past. We've definitely swapped stories back and forth and stuff like that throughout our careers. 
Um, but yeah, this is something that people really need to look at. And I know you had an interesting take when we talked about it before that actually we, as the firefighters, paramedics, that kind of stuff, we are actually responsible for this problem. Do you remember what you were saying about that? Oh yeah. I think, uh, this, this is my opinion. I think that, you know, one of the things that we do in this job is, you know, we go around to, you know, from time to time, we go around to elementary schools. Yeah, like pub uh, eds and stuff. You know, especially daycare centers, stuff like that, and talk to the kids, you know, because, you know, just making sure that the kids know what to do in case of emergency or if they come across something and they, you know, like say one of their parents is caught in a situation you know, like heart attack or, you know, fell off the roof, whatever, um, to make sure that they know how to call 911 and uh, just the, what to do. And I think we, we ingrain that in their brains from a young age, which is, I, I fully endorse. Um, but like I said, this is just my opinion. I think we're kind of responsible for uh, people calling 911 for, I'm not going to say bullshit. Well, I'm going to say bullshit reasons. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll say it uh, yeah, for bullshit reasons. Right. Because, you know, for years, at least in, I can't speak for all paramedics and firefighters, but for years, it's always been in, when in doubt, call 911. Yep. And I think that's stuck in people's minds growing up through the years. And, you know, so, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Um, I, I just pulled off a, I just pulled off a hangnail and it hurts. Uh, let me call 911. That can you do that? Sure. Is that the right thing to do? It's questionable because just keep in mind those units have to respond to you once you call. And if, if you're calling for someone to come to your house because you tore off a hangnail and then at the same time a cardiac arrest goes out the next neighborhood over and we're tied up on this and a, and a unit from a farther distance has to come in and, you know, just create more of a time gap getting to that patient. That's can become an issue. Yeah. Because I, well, I think a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, I was a dispatcher in my lifetime too, but, and of course in the fire service myself, but a lot of people don't understand that depending on the jurisdiction you're in, and of course it's going to vary all throughout the country, but, Depending on your jurisdiction, um, where I worked, we had, you know, anywhere from, I don't know, we'll say seven to 14 ambulances, medic units, kind of stuff like that, in service at a time. And we were covering for, you know, 180, 200,000 people. That's not, that's a lot of people per each unit. Obviously, obviously if everybody called at the same time, the system would would collapse um, because there's no way they can do it. But that, what Bobby said is a good point because when you're calling because you're, you sprained your ankle, or something like that. Just that's, you know, pretty common thing people call for when they fall down or whatever. And that's it. You didn't hit your head, nothing like that. You just sprained your ankle. Not saying you're wrong. Well, that, for being doing said, so. that being said, if, if you're by yourself and no one's with you, you have no choice but to call. Right, right. And there that. are, yeah, there are always different circuits. All the, yeah, you can't judge everything by just the title. You have to look at the whole, you know, the whole global thing there and see what's going on with the whole story. Cause you're right. There are times when silly stuff, sometimes you just have to do it. You know what I mean? Because you don't have any other way of doing it. You can't, physically walk to the car when your leg shattered. So, so you have to have help with that. And we get that. And we're not, I, I personally, like, like Bobby said, when you call 911, not only do we, or at least where I was, you had to respond, of course, 
to the call because they called 911. You had to transport them to the hospital if they wanted to go to the hospital. So, um, so in doing that, um, you know, a lot of people would call us, and if they want to go to the hospital for that, you know, we, we would be able to tell them, like, eh, this isn't really life-threatening, but, you know, we have to take you if you want to go. And then they want to go, and like you said, you know, if, like I said, if you have seven ambulances staffed or seven medic units staffed, now there's six because you're on this call, and that cardiac arrest goes out or that stroke goes out or something that's time-sensitive, um, you're not able to get over there because of that, and the other unit's coming from further away, and we all know or probably have all heard if you're not a medic or in the medical field, uh, time is, time is uh, life there on those kind of emergencies. So like if you're having someone come from, you know, 10 minutes away to get to a CPR in progress, um, that's going to be a more of a training exercise by the time they get there. Most likely depending again on if there's someone on scene doing care and stuff like that, there's all variances in that, but yeah, you don't need to be going to the hospital for, for stuff like that. Um, I can say from a personal point of view, I never minded anybody calling us for something they weren't sure about. Kind of like what Bobby said. Um, especially I've, I remember like, like newborn calls, like, you know, first time moms and they have their newborn and they're at home and then something happens with the, kid, with the kid. Yeah. Something's a little different. Rightly so. Yeah. Rightly, rightly so. so. And they call nine one and then we go out there and we're like, Oh yeah, this is this child seems to be acting normal for us. And then they feel silly sometimes for calling us, you know, cause it's usually at night. So it's like, you know, 12 midnight, two in the morning, something like that. And I've never, I never was offended by anybody. I don't even care if they want us to take them to the hospital for stuff like that. Cause if if you're dealing with stuff like that, that's different. It's a first time thing. Obviously a kid cannot talk to you. A little newborn like that isn't gonna be able to tell you anything. Um, so you have to so stuff like that. There are times when we, you know, we didn't care. And I was never mean to a patient for it. Um, but when you start seeing the people who, you know, call all day long, and again, this is different than right now. I was not, I was, did, you know, did this all prior to Corona time. Um, right. People calling for like flu like symptoms. I'm like, are you kidding me? So yeah, it sounds like you have the flu. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, I need to go to the hospital. And, of course, you see those calls at 3, 4, or 5 in the morning because they don't want to go to work that day. Well, I think also something needs to be pressed, too, is a lot of people will call. And I think a lot of people out there that are in this line of work will agree with me. A lot of people call because they have the mentality, well, if I call 911 and an ambulance takes me, I'll get seen faster in the emergency room than if I take myself there or have my spouse take me there. Yeah, and, and let's sit out in the waiting room for hours. Yeah, and, and le- they they make that mistake, but that's not the case anymore. Because basically, what happens if you go through, if you, say you call nine one one for flu like symptoms, something that's really not an emergency. You know, I'm talking light flu symptoms. Right, right. Because Jason, I'm you and we're talking life threatening emergencies. We're not talking right. about you know because right. a, a, a breaking your arm is an emergency. Is it life threatening? No, you're most likely not going to die from breaking your arm. There are obviously circumstances, but you know. But that being said, under circumstances, we're not trying to get people not to call 911. We're just kind of explaining, you know, certain situations that we've been through over the years and, you know, just in this, these types of situations with, with people calling 911 for things that are sometimes considered non-emergency. Well, and go into your, 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 I kind of interrupted you and I apologize for that. Go into your part about explaining to the listeners who, like I said, may not be in this field or think about getting this field about how the triage works as far as a hospital system is concerned. Right. If you, like I said before, some people will call 911 thinking that they will, if it's a non-emergency, that they'll call 911 anyway because, well, if I go by ambulance, I'll get seen faster. That that's that's a big thing, and we've see, you've seen it, you saw it for years, Jason, just like I saw it for years and still see it. They think that they'll get seen faster if they come in by ambulance, but what they don't understand is because of the triage system that that goes on once you get there. Most likely, if it's something that's non-emergency. They're going to put you out in the lobby, which is where you would go 
anyway if you took yourself. Yeah, and it kind of so, explained the triage system a little bit, just in general, what a triage system is. Basically, the triage system is, it's say you say you come in there for flu-like symptoms, light flu-like symptoms that you know maybe a little bit of a fever, you know, nothing's really going on. That's too yeah, bad. runny nose, congestion, good. all that crap. But you don't feel good. You are going to be basically at the bottom of the line behind any case that's in front of you that's that's more serious than what you came in for, such as chest pain. Difficulty breathing. Difficulty breathing. Stroke-like symptoms, anything like stroke. that. Yeah, stuff like that. Imminent birth, that anything said, like that. And, and also people that are going to come in after you got there with more serious symptoms are going to kick you back to, to the back of the line even more because someone that has more serious signs and symptoms of whatever they're going through you know, than what you have, they're going to get seen before you. And a lot of people don't understand. They don't believe this. Well, wait a minute. I've been here for three hours. It's like, and all these people keep going ahead of me. It's like, because they have a lot more serious issues going on than what you came in with. Well, and one of my, that's just the way the triage system works. Well, one of my favorite things in my career that I actually thought was kind of hilarious was you would tell patients this on a scene, you know, because right. I was very adamant in my career of when someone said, you know, family member, friend, coworker, depending on when, what time of day you're at, um, would say adamant, like, no, no, go with them because they'll get you seen faster. I would obviously, I would stop everything at that point and I would make sure everybody was paying attention and I would say, hey, just letting you know, that is not the case. I don't work for the hospital. I'm a medic for the county. When we take you to the hospital, you fall into their protocol system, which is their triage system, and they're going to triage you based on all the other stuff they have going on at this time, and then you're going to be assigned a number at that time, and like you said, it's a floating number because if seven other chest pain calls come in, you're not getting into a room yet. Um, so I would explain that to them, and my favorite thing was calling in the call to the ER. You know, We call on the way, give a report to the staff, let them know we're coming kind of thing, and then as we tell get to the tell ER, them what's going on. Take in, yeah, take, tell them what's going on, all the vitals, all the stuff. And then we get to the hospital, the ER, we wheel them in on the cot. And then for where I went, we took them right out a different door. And that door led to the ER entrance where you would come as a civilian and sit in all those hundreds of seats out there. And I would wheel them right there, drop the cot down to a nice level for them, let them scoot because they, they were ambulatory, meaning they could walk. And they would just stand up from the cot and sit in one of those chairs. And I'd go get them the clipboard just like you would if you drove yourself. And that was usually the shock look on their face was usually priceless because they finally saw like, oh, wait, you're not really getting me in there faster. I was like, no, not at all. That's not, not, the way not, it works. not at all. And now we have to not only do like a thousand pages of uh, patient care reports and stuff about this call, then, you know, we have to decon the unit. And like Bobby said, we're out of we're out of service right now because we can't go on another call right now. So we got to get all ready to go so that when we leave, we're ready to go as soon as we clear the hospital on potentially another call because you had, you know, something like flu like symptoms or something like that. So right. it's just something for not, people to be careful of. That's all. Oh yeah. We're not telling, we're not trying to, we're not trying to tell people not to call 911. That's not what we're trying to say. We're just trying to say, be aware of, you know, the other aspect of what could possibly be going on. If you call 911 for X, Y, and Z, which is say a non-emergency, like Jason said, yeah, um, you're basically preventing another truck from possibly going to something serious close by you know, for something that's really serious, such as cardiac arrest, stroke, you know, diabetic emergency, someone that needs us right then. And just keep that in mind. That being said, we're not trying to deter anybody from calling 911. You know, if you feel like that's what you need to do, do it. 
we're just yeah. trying to just to get people to you know be aware that okay if i call 911 for my uh for my nightmare we'll use that as an example because <laughs> that that actually happens people call 911 because they woke up from a bad nightmare that's oh, happened yeah. to me many times you know keep in mind you're tying up a truck in that in that area in that in your surrounding area where you live for a possible emergency that may go out simultaneously yeah and which another truck from a farther distance like i said before is going to have to come in increasing that time gap from that serious patient getting the care they need yeah and i've had i've definitely had calls like that in my career where just like what you said i took someone for cold flu-like symptoms nothing really exciting going on i'm not really going to do much for them in the back of the truck other than like you know, maybe throw a staining lock at them and start some, start some, uh, some vitals or something for them. Really not doing anything much going on. And then while we're in the car truck and we're transporting to the hospital in route, which means we're not going lights and sirens. We're just driving like a car, stopping at all the lights, all that fun stuff. Um, right. Then a, card, a cardiac arrest did go out. And then I explained to the patient, because we had talked about it on the scene too, not that they were, they were not mean about it or anything, but they still wanted to go to the hospital. And I explained to them, I'm like, yeah, see, like this is a cardiac arrest is going on because they heard the traffic on the radio, you know, because I had my radio on back there. And they were like, what's that? Is that a cardiac, is that like someone who's dead? And I was like, yeah, that's a cardiac arrest. And he's like, and I was like, yeah, and that's in our due. Like we would have gone to that call, but we can't obviously because we're transporting you. So now this other unit has to come from XYZ station and they knew where that was because they lived in the area. It's like, wow, that's kind of far away. I was like, yeah, that's what has to happen now because you're on this call and this is kind of what I was trying to explain to you. And for that particular patient, they were actually really cool because they were like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like they didn't really get it, I guess, when we were explaining it, but now when they actually saw it and they, I guess they thought maybe we were making it up or something like that. But when they actually saw it and heard the radio traffic, they're like, oh. And I was like, yeah. And they kind of felt bad about it, but I was like, hey, it is what it is. We're already transporting, so we can't, we can't do anything now. But, you know, just something to think about. That's all. If you can, if you have something like, if you're unsure, call 911 every single time. But if it's something you know right. that like, you, you know, you have a minor dog bite or something like that on your hand, you can drive yourself. You can have a, a friend drive you. You can always call a cab, whatever you need to do. But just li- my big thing is just listen to the medics on the scene too. They'll tell you. Because I used to always tell them one of my favorite lines that one of my coworkers used to always use. And then I started picking up and using too when people would freak out in the back of the truck, when they would like think their whatever their problem is, or maybe in the house, they would start freaking out because they think whatever's going on is the biggest crisis in the world. Cause to them it is. Um, I would just look at him and I would say, Hey, when we start freaking out, then you can freak out when we're chilling like this, talking to you like this, you're fine. You know what I mean? Or yeah, you'll have patients that'll ask, okay. Um, I called you guys. Why aren't you going lights and siren? you know, through traffic, it's like, because you called us for cold, like symptoms. Yeah. We're not going to put everybody on the road at risk going lights and sirens down the main highway, you know, for cold, like symptoms. Yeah. For something you could have gone to an uh, urgent yeah. care too, or something like that for an urgent care. Right. Cause we're putting other people at risk on the road by driving that way. And you know, a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and like Jason said, we're not trying to stop you from calling 911. I mean, when in doubt, do it. We're just trying to kind of make people aware of, you know, what's kind of going on on the other side of things. Yeah. Just look at it. I mean, just try to, it's interesting when you, when you're in this business, you kind of, you learn stuff as a layman citizen, you might not really understand that stuff. And like I said, like when you're, you know, I would, I mean, I'd call on the radio when I, when I had someone like that. Uh, like we said, like a total layman call, like kind of thing, like just flu like symptoms, nothing else going on. 
Um, I, or like, I don't know, let's say like a broken finger with nothing else going on with it or something like that. I would call the ER and tell them exactly what we have. And I would tell them we have a triage patient for you. That way they can get, when we get right. to the hospital, the hospital can then use their personnel to decide. I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't decide where they go. Let them know like, Hey, this is something that probably could wait outside somewhere, but you guys make the decision when we get there. And they would, and that's, that's what they would do. They'd have someone come over and evaluate them and use their criteria that they use. And then they decide if you go to a room or not. And the charge nurse would, you, and where I worked, the charge nurse would make that decision. And if they said you go out front, then you go out front. If I if I felt strongly that on the other on the other side of it, if I felt strongly where they said someone needs to go out front, and I was adamant that no, they need to go to a room, I would make my argument at that time to the nurse, the charge nurse. If the charge nurse overruled me, then that's it. <laughs> you know, because you're you're in their jurisdiction at that point. And you're already in their facility. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. But I do say, like, kind of like we, we sort of hinted towards some of the stuff in our uh, trailer episode and stuff like that. This is one of the big things, in my opinion, that leads towards, like, burnout in the business. Because um, I remember, sure. like, we talked about this last episode. Uh, I briefly mentioned the show Paramedics, which was an old-school uh, show on Discovery Channel. It's an awesome show. It's, like, cops, but you're in the back of a medic unit as opposed to a squad car or whatever. And my wife watched the show with me, of course. And she was like, Oh my gosh, look at all the stuff you guys do. And Holy crap. Cause they followed a unit around and they, or they were in the unit, whatever. And they did all these calls. And of course on the show, all the calls were rock star calls. And I had to explain to her like, yeah, that's cool. Like these, I've been on all these kind of calls. Um, these aren't every call is not like this. You might have a nope. hundred, you might have a hundred of them that are complete bullshit, waste of time stuff. And then you get the one good one, or you might have 10 good ones in a row. And then you might have, you know, a hundred, it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But it's not, um, it is something that, you know, it's not all glory all the time. And it's not something that, um, you know, over time, it does kind of burn you out. You know what I mean? Because you just see that, re- you, the, cron- the people you have in your jurisdiction, and we all know this if you're in the field, you all know the people in your, your area that you're what they call your first due, which is where you're, first, you're the first unit that's going to be dispatched to anybody in that geographical area um, from your station. And you know the frequent flyers there. We call them frequent flyers, which are the ones that call repeatedly for the same crap, you know, and, yeah, it's, and, and it's a chronic thing. It's not like a new that being said, That being said, I love some of those frequent flyers. Because yeah. They oh, they're great. Hilarious. Yeah, cause, oh, yeah. Because you get into like, like great things like, with them. Yeah. Some of them were, I mean, I don't know how many times there'd be like a, uh, you know, a, uh, the same drunk guy on a Friday night that you would see at least two times. And you know, and when I say drunk person, you know, I mean that, you know, a happy drunk, but they're just, you know, they're just calling because they're lonely. They want to talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we get it, you know, and, and we, we, we treat them great. You know, those, those are, I mean, those, some of those people I'll never forget because uh, <laughs> they were actually some of the funniest and nicest people I've ever come across. Yeah. It's really, it is, that is true. Cause we used to, I know we used to have one in our area, our first due that um, would call a ton drunk during the day. And we, we had one, we had one point we, we transported her, uh, this lady three times on the same shift. Um, and it was hilarious to a point because, you know, we get the call. We had a, we had a decent length drive to get there to, to her residence. And uh, I could have the report almost done before I got there, like completely almost everything done because you know how it's going to go. You know, you're going to walk in. She, she always said she had like, let's say for instance, trouble breathing or chest pain or something like that. You roll up, for instance, if it was trouble breathing, you'd roll up, you get in there. She's talking like me and you. There's no evidence of any difficulty breathing. You put her on all the, 
check all her vital signs. Everything's checking out like normal. And then I'd always ask her, I was like, Hey, you know, and I'm obviously not going to use her name, but I'd be like, Hey, Hey patient. Uh, where's the vodka? You know what I mean? And she's like, there's no vodka. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then I'd look around the kitchen and eventually I'd find it. It might be hidden under the cupboard or in the, in the trash can. If she just kicked the bottle or whatever like that. And she loved her Burnett's vodka. And, uh, and we'd always find it. And it was every single time. And then eventually, of course, if she said she wanted to go to the hospital, we would have to take her, you know what I mean? So we have to take her to the hospital for, I don't know, you know, like, that's what we had to do. Um, it yeah, got, or, or you'd have the, or you'd have the situation of like, Hey Dave, what are you, what are you calling us for this time, man? We saw you earlier. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not feeling very well, but since you guys are here, uh, can you give me a ride to the liquor store? And it's like, yeah. oh man, we can't do that. It's, it's good to see you, but you know, I'm glad you're okay, but no, we can't give you a ride to the liquor store. Yeah. Our, our situation got to the point where we had to, um, because it was so consistently abusing 911 and she was not a malicious person in any way. Like you said, it was probably more being lonely and stuff like that, but it got to the point where we automatically had, um, our sheriff's office dispatched with us. Um, and then when they got there, we'd get there, of course, assessor, because, you know, the one thing you have to be careful about with frequent flyers is there are frequent flyers. They're maybe annoying. Maybe they're bullshit, but there is that time when they're going to call and it's going to be real. So you and can't you gotta, go in there with the prejudice. Yeah. You can't, yeah. You got to yeah. be aware of that and be willing to, you know, go in there. It's fun and gun for a little while. And then after a while, like, Oh, Oh, this is real now. Okay. This is a real call. You know, yeah, your brain, your brain is going to have a tendency to say, you know, that they're, they're crying wolf once again, Yeah, but there's going to be that one time that you're going to assume that. And what do we say? You know, assumptions are, what do they say? Are the mother of all fuck ups. Yeah. And that's very true, especially <laughs> yep. in situations like this. Um, there's going to be that one time where you're, you're blaring or maybe not blaring so hard to this person wherever they're at, you know, that calls frequently. And this time is going to be the time where it's absolutely serious. And that's why, like Jason said, you still got to be on your game, no matter you think it's bullshit or not, because you may get there and it's absolutely serious. Yeah. And you, yeah. And that, and that's exactly right. And so like on those situations, you know, you make that judgment call when you get in there and as you've been in the business longer, you'll learn to do that really quick. You can kind of pick up on the stuff, the keys, the keys and stuff really quick. And then if they need to go buy ambulance, great. You know, I, for me, sure. I was on 24 hour shifts, so it didn't matter to me if I ran 21 patients a shift or zero, I didn't really give a shit. Um, so you either transport them or, you know, maybe the sheriff's office get involved if they need to do it, something with their stuff, but that's up to them. Now, uh, Jason, did you, uh, what kind of burnout did you experience? Um, I kind of hinted on it last episode. I actually had to take, uh, two breaks in my whole career where I stayed licensed and everything like that. But I had to like step away for a little bit of time just because it does become overwhelming. Um, one of mine was early on in my career when I just started, you know, I was working, but you know, in a medical field, but then I was also doing volunteer 911 stuff. And you just get to the point where you want to be on every single call because you want to absorb, 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 help as many people as you can and like, you know, right. hone your skills. And for me, that got to be where, um, at one point I was like, okay, I need to take a step back. Stay, if I could talk today, that'd be incredible. Take a step back, realize that no matter what, and this is what I was told when I was younger, no matter what, even back. when you're not there, the trucks are going to go out the door. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to be the only, you're not the only person that can ever do anything. You're not the, the, the humanity does not just rely on you. You know what I mean? Right. That kind of theory. So that was it for me. And then I just had to take some time back, kind of a go on a mental vacation and then come back in and get, get back in the game. Cause it does, it does add up to people, uh, for people in this field. 
you know, cops too, firefighters too, same thing. You just repetitive, just doing this stuff over and over and over and over again to a point you just need breaks. Right. What about you? Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, there were times there, I think the, the last time I really experienced, you know, burnout was, uh, we were going through a series. It was like a month where we just, we just, no matter what we did, we couldn't get catch a save. When I say, when I say catch a save, we just couldn't, it, no matter what we did, we just couldn't bring anybody back. Yeah. You know, and, and that particular month, it happened to be a lot of kids. And uh, I don't, you know, this is just me personally, but for me, and I can only speak for myself, when it comes to kids, when you lose a kid, especially out in the field, you don't forget that. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, those are times that no matter, like I said in the last episode, that you can push back as much as you want, but you're not going to forget that. I mean, time will, you know, things will move on and, you know, time will heal, but you, you'll still remember that. And that, uh, that particular month was difficult because we just, no matter what we did and everybody that I work with is on the top of their game. And when you just, even though, you know, in the back of your mind, you just can't, no matter what you do, there's some people are just going to die. Yeah. But it just, when it keeps happening, like every call, when it's something serious like that and you just have a bad stretch, you know, Maybe that's not the best way to put it. It's going to wear on you. And it wore on me to where I remember my partner came to me and he's like, he's like, dude, you okay? I'm like, he's, I'm like, yeah. And he goes, like, why? And he goes, cause you've been a little bit more aggressive than normal. Meaning that my, my attitude had been showing. I've just been angry, yeah. you know, mean. And, uh, he, he spotted it right away. And, uh, that's where like in the last episode it, you need to talk to, you need to talk to each other you need to talk to people that you work with that are in the same situation and you know you debrief and just get it out and that helps a lot but i think like jason said sometimes you need to take a break yeah because i take take leave whether it's going on vacation you know i think in that particular situation that particular month the one thing that brought me out was after that stretch of you know, it was a department thing too. We just, for some reason, everybody kept dying and we, no matter what we did, we could bring them back. But then there was that one call where you deliver a kid and then it just brings, it just kind of makes it all worth it again. Yeah. It resets everything. And that's, that's, that was my experience because, you know, that was like the ultimate positive because, you know, after seeing, you know, just, swimming in shit for a month and then you have that you know that's that's a hell of a lifeline well that's a lot of people that need to understand that too when you when you call 911 because it's a a life emergency it's it's your biggest crisis of your life that's why you call 911 because something horrible is happening to you and and when you get you know we come and 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 we ride in and we take care of you and we get to the hospital and then you get as the as a patient obviously depending on what happened to you or why you call 911 you're dealing with that over so much time, you know, you're, you're mentally going over, maybe if it was an accident type thing, like a physical accident, you're going over mentally, like replaying all that stuff. What happened? What could I have done better? That's like the normal human response there. Or sure. if it's a, if it's a life threatening problem, you're fighting for your life possibly at the ER, you know, while you're going through that. 
And what a lot of people forget is as the medics, personnel, the firefighters, the police officers, all that stuff that come to these scenes, uh, we see you for about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, depending on, you know, counting the transport included in that if we're taking you to the hospital. And then after sure. that, we're, we're supposed to clean up our truck and very rapidly get back in service and go run the next one. So like we'll run a cardiac arrest and it's, you know, you're like, like you said, like something horrible like that, where you did not get the save. You tried really hard. It just wasn't meant to be. You did everything in your power that you could do. You did everything right. And it still didn't work out. And then and you may run four of those in a row. Right. And then, yeah. And then 15 minutes after you're, you're, you're in your the EMS room, most hospitals have like an EMS room they, where you can go sit and write your reports and stuff like that, print out stuff you need right. to print out. So you're in there and that's where you're kind of going over everything in your head, starting to deal with that stuff. And then, oh, by the way, I know you're not done dealing with that, but we need you to get on the road and get back to this other call. And it could be, like you said, something just as horrible or it could be whatever. You just don't know. But, but um, yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. So like, whereas a normal person has all that time to process, we don't usually get a lot of time. Our time to process is when we're off shift and then we're venting to like me and Bobby could vent to each other about calls we had. And you need that to kind of clear your head and get yourself back, like you said, back to right again, where you could then go in the next day and be a great paramedic again. Right. And I, I like, I remember like one particular, you know, particular example was my, my buddy of mine. This was probably just 20 years ago. He, uh, he called me up and he was working in a different department. He called me up and he's like, Hey man, can we meet up? I'm like, sure. What's going on? He goes, I'll explain when we get there. I'm like, okay. So, you know, he lived about 45 minutes away from me. So I, I met him at a neutral spot, you know, in the middle and we met at a restaurant, you know, bar and grill and, uh, sit down. Always a good dinner. choice. Always a good choice, you know, and having some dinner, you know, having a couple of beers whatnot. and uh, he's like, yeah, we had a horrible call the other night and I, I don't know how to process it. You know, I just, I need to bounce it off you. I'm like, yeah, man, no problem. What happened? And he basically said that he was working with a different station. There was a different writ. There was a different truck that was on the scene and um, he was an additional paramedic unit that responded to the scene in a chase vehicle, which is like a chief's vehicle or an EMS supervisor vehicle, which is basically usually an, a, a SUV, mm -hmm. but you can't transport, you know, it's, you know, it's not like an ambulance. I mean, you have all your equipment, but you don't, you just don't have any transport capabilities. And so he jumped on the ambulance with the other providers, the other paramedics and EMTs. And, uh, He's just like, I just, I don't get it. We did everything possible, everything. And this wasn't, in my opinion, he said, that serious of a situation. And we still couldn't bring them back. I mean, it was serious, but it, he'd been through worse and brought people back. No problem. Right. But he couldn't. And he just couldn't get it out of his brain. It's like, and he just kept going over and over again. What did I do? What did I not do? What didn't I do enough of? And just just racking his brain, even though he's a seasoned guy in in the field, it still happened to him. And it's all about everybody processes this differently. But he basically just kept going over and over and over again. What he did, what he did not do, and. So I'm just like, look, bro, you gotta, you did everything you possibly could. And just him telling me and then me saying that to him just helped tremendously because he was talking to somebody that knows what he's talking about. It's been there. And sometimes that's all it takes. Just somebody to 
say, hey, man, I listened to everything that you said, and you did everything you possibly could. Yeah, and exactly. that made all the difference. That made all the difference in the world. You know, so you know, burnout's real. It's uh, you know, it happens. You know, like like I said, everybody processes everything. You know, certain things differently, but it's if you're in this, like we said last last podcast, if if you're in this line of work long enough, you know, you're gonna see it in some shape or form. Yeah, and don't forget about your uh, support system. Very important to have. Like we said, kind of, we've been talking about. You know, friends in the system is a great idea. Support system of your loved one at home, um, knowing that your loved ones at home, I should say, that know that what you go through and maybe giving you that extra stuff when you get home because sometimes you just need to unload. But like you said, it is also very important to talk to people in the field because they totally understand what you're going through um, and can help you through that as well. So I agree. And I hope for people out there listening that don't know what it's like to work in this field, I hope we didn't lose you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great things with this field too that that people need to understand too. We're just talking about, we're going to hit different topics as we go through these, these podcasts. Um, that's why we started this podcast was to kind of just talk about everything. Cause everything's on the table. You probably already figured that out. Um, but we just want to talk about that with everybody. Cause it's not all. Wait, roses. Hold a second, hold a second. Did you say everything? Everything's on the table. All right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so we just want to attack different things, kind of give people a, a broad view of everything and then go into detail as we see fit. Um, did you want to say anything else? Or you want to kind of wrap this up today? No, all I'd like to say is just, Hey, if anybody has anything they want to add or anything they disagree with of certain topics that we talked about, you know, please give us an email or, you know, give us a shout out. You know, and and what's know. that email, Bobby? Go for it, brother. You tell them. <laughs> uh, paramedics unscripted at gmail.com paramedics unscripted at gmail.com. You can also find Paramedics Unscripted on any of your platforms, pretty much, that you like to follow us, like us, whatever. That's because we're unscripted. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, we're everywhere. Um, so, do you have anything else? Or you want to finish it up now? Yeah, I just want to let me say one more thing. Sure. I know I, know I, I probably got a little too political there at the beginning, but that's just me. You know, I'm not really a political guy. It's just there's just certain situations that, you know, I – and passionate about. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard it's hard not to be in these situations when you're you're front lines. I mean, everybody sees it obviously front line because we all live in this world, but when you're in that when you're in the medical genre, you're more front line I'd say than a lot of other people. So, yeah, I think you have the right to have a reaction to it and, a, and an opinion and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, that being said, I'm sure there's, you know, there's a lot of paramedics, EMTs, firefighters, police that would disagree with some of what i said in the beginning of this podcast you know especially dealing with the vax and that's fine that's why but, it's on script and that, that's fine that's, that's fine i i i welcome that because i respect everybody's opinion whether i agree with them or not and i think that's important overall no matter what we're talking about you know you respect other people's opinion and not just try to shame them because they have a difference of opinion that's important right and that's we all. and we take everything like we said in the first podcast or the last podcast i should say um, you know, if you have an opinion that's different than us, let us know, man. It's cool. You know, we, as long as we can talk about things, I think a lot of this world can be fixed and helped. If we just learn to communicate friendly with each other, we don't have the same opinions, but as long as we can just talk, I think that helps a lot. And I know people have heard this a lot, but it, it really is true. We're all in this together. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife. It happens to be our third anniversary today. Um, it's been a great three years and, uh, I hope for a lifetime more.
Oh, that's awesome, dude. Congrats to you both. That's amazing. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. All right, man. So, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's wrap this up today. Um, want to thank everybody for listening again. This is episode number three. It's in the books. Uh, we want to thank Sister Shannon again for yeah. uh, ordering a sticker. Yeah, shout out to Shannon. Hope you enjoy that. Should be to you uh, momentarily here, maybe the next couple of days. Um, so thank you for that. Um, obviously, if you want to support the show, we have links below that'll be in the notes below uh, on your on your app there that you can check out. And if you want to get a sticker or join, whatever you want to do, that's awesome. We appreciate everybody out there. Um, and like I said, we're out of here. It's the end of week three. So we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted.